Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. He's on the line now. Chuck, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, um, good day. Retail business, 25% capacity to a limit of 250 people. Personal uh, service businesses like uh, Jeremy over at, at Hunter and Gun, he can cut hair again. Restaurants and bars open at 25%, even uh, some indoor dining. Overall, what you expected, good news. What's your initial, uh, initial reaction, Chuck? Yeah, I think for sure, Hal, I think this is good news for a lot of Manitoba business owners that specifically the stress that they've been under over the last two months, if they've had their doors closed and had to lay off their employees, this is the opportunity for them to reopen, to bring in some revenue, to hire back staff. So this is a good day. I think as well, it's it's a very cautious day. I mean, I think we're taking small steps. I think reminding uh, Manitobans as well, we are only opening at 25%. So this is not this is not full opening like you're seeing in other jurisdictions. So I think this is the right approach, that it is cautious. Uh, and I think it's going to be incumbent on us to, you know, make sure that we're doing those right things and following the public health rules, making sure that we're getting vaccinated. We get those numbers continuing to move and we get those other numbers in terms of, you know, test positivity and actual COVID cases heading in the other direction as well. So I, I think this is a good day, but there's there's more work to be done before I think business is going to be uh, uh, really happy and, and back to where it was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. You said it there. I think it is key that we're getting some of these freedoms back because we've been following the rules, and now we need to follow them even more closely because they've loosened a bit, and we need to get that second vaccination or the first if we haven't done that yet. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's the one thing that we always talked about in terms of that roadmap. And I think once the government really put out those those metrics so that Manitobans can see and check on a daily basis where we were in terms of, you know, what were the first dose percentage on vaccination and then second dose as well. I think everyone has kind of taken that they have a role in this now and that they can play a role in terms of that opening. So you're seeing, in fact, and, you know, the fact that we're a week ahead of of what the target July 1st date is, that uh, we've done such a great job with that. I think as well, continuing to move forward with that second dose vaccination, uh, the amount of people, and I know yesterday we hit a record in terms of the number of doses that went in arms yesterday was was almost close to 25,000, which is the first time I can recall uh, seeing it over 20,000 people. So I think that's terrific. Uh, and I think that's part of exactly what we talked about was that incentive that people needed uh, to help us in, in, in this reopening uh, this reopening path. Mm-hmm. Officials were being asked leading up to this announcement this morning at 11 o'clock from Pallister and Bruce, and uh, officials were being asked, will it be in a, uh, uh, will there be a regional approach? Will it be the entire province? Uh, in the end, at least this first uh, loosening of restrictions is province-wide. Um, how do you feel about that? Because I think there are probably some parts of the province that say, hey, m- maybe we are even doing better than the province overall, and maybe we deserve restrictions to be eased even a bit more. I think for the first opening, I think this was the right way is to do it province-wide because those businesses in some of those communities at least have the ability to open. I think, and I know there have been some concerns in terms of, you know, certain parts of the regions uh, in in Manitoba have not performed as well when it comes to vaccinations as others. I think that could potentially be something the province does look at in in further reopening plans. Uh, But at the same time, I think when you're you're reopening the first time, I I do think the the movement of people around the province is something that is significant over the course of summer. So, you know, I don't think it necessarily was going to have that big of an impact. So, 
in, in this first go round, I think they've done it the right way to, to to open it wide open in all of Manitoba. But I, you know, I could see how they may make some decisions as they go in these other uh, directions. That if other parts of the province are ahead of others, you know, will they be able to do more? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've talked in the past couple of hours to at least a few of, of your members, members of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. They're happy. What are they telling you? Yeah, I think for the most part that they are happy that the fact that now they can they can be reopened. Uh, it's something that, you know, the, the amount of stress that they've been under uh, over the last, you know, and, and the reality is we've been in this code red situation for, for almost 250 days now. So when you think about those businesses, many of which have either been closed or operating at 25 percent at a maximum over the course of that time frame, this has been a long haul for them. So I think the fact that uh, they have the ability to open, they have the ability to, to bring staff back and things are heading in the right direction. It's that light at the end of the tunnel they were looking for. They're not to the finish line by any means whatsoever. Uh, you know, I think there's going to still need to be some supports for these businesses to to make sure that they can continue on because, uh, you know, as, as I kind of mentioned, you know, 25% is not bringing in the revenues that you would have been bringing in if you're fully open. So there's still challenges ahead. And I think one of the things that we want to continue to remind Manitobans is, just because they have the ability to open right now as well, it's going to take some time for businesses to get back up to speed. So the fact that we can have the ability to open on Saturday is terrific. You know, a lot of businesses are going to be cautious in terms of making sure that, they have, that they're prepared to do so properly, that they've got the staff in place. So, you know, the message that we're going to send to Manitobans is be patient. I mean, the, the stress that business owners have been through over the course of these last eight months specifically and, and 15 months in total, um, they're going to need their patience uh, with, with consumers coming through their doors. But, you know, they're going to make sure that they follow those rules and that they reopen safely for, for not only their employees, but their consumers. I was talking to your Winnipeg counterpart, Lauren Remillard, yesterday, um, and uh, I said, you know, uh, we'll get through this and, and we will get through it together. And we've lost some businesses along the way, which is tragic. But many businesses will come out of the other side of this and they'll they'll say, phew, we made it. But then they'll look at the debt they've acquired, right? They've accumulated this incredible debt. And then I worry about a second wave of businesses packing it up. That That's my concern. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Just the amount of debt that some of these businesses have had to take on to to just to be able to get through this has been has been you know substantial, and that that is going to be the long term impact as well. And and why we've continually said that there is needs for supports, not just kind of getting through this, but as we continue to move forward, that you know we're going to have to you know you know have a strong a strong presence from both the, the federal and provincial government in terms of support mechanisms. But it's also important is why we've always said the message is, is strongly in terms of supporting local, and that Manitobans can play a role to to really re help those businesses as they're reopening and to help put those revenues back in their pockets. They've, they've lost substantial over the course of this, this 15 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all levels of government, uh, and, and I don't think the city's done enough. That's just my personal opinion. I realize it's, it's not necessarily up to that level of government usually, but I think we need to see more from the city, but all levels of government. And then obviously supports during, right, supports after to make sure businesses that did survive continue to survive and thrive. And then we need investment in people that want to start up new businesses because I also worry, Chuck, that people will say, you know what, I'm not going to take a chance on a business because it's too risky. I'm in it, I'm in it by myself. I, I don't have the help. Look at what happened during the pandemic. I didn't get, they didn't get the help they should have received. I don't know what you think, but that's what I think. 
Yeah, and I think there's some other things that we can look at as well. And it's as businesses sort of transition to being reopened, some of the things that we're looking at is, is helping to provide programs, whether it's whether you need to have some of your employees retrained or reskilled or upskilling needs to happen. There needs to be some programs for that, as well as when you're moving more and more businesses. And I think what's what we've seen over the course of, the, of this pandemic, as well as the amount of importance that a business has to have of uh, being online and doing online e-commerce as well. And so what we're looking at as well is being able to provide some, some programs and some grants that can, can help businesses as they make that transition as well. Because I think the days, and you and I have had this discussion before, the days of a business simply being a bricks and mortar business, that's past. And we need to make sure that we've got both the bricks and mortar, but also that, that online presence is going to be critical for businesses as they continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. And then just personally, Chuck, you know, um, let's hope this is the first round of, of, of the reopening plan and, you know, Delta doesn't rear its ugly head um, and, and we get through this and we continue to see the reopening plan move along. What has this been like for you as the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce? We've all had our challenges. Some people have had more. Others have had less. You're a family guy. You're on the radio every day. Um, I can't imagine the work involved in dealing with all your members. Just personally, what, what has this been like for you? I mean, I'm sure you never imagined having to deal with a, a global pandemic as the head of the chamber. Yeah, you, you know how you when you mentioned that, you know, it, it really, you know, for, for us as an organization, you know, what it's done is I think it's brought the entire chamber network together. You know, the challenge personally, obviously, it's tough to take a day off. Um, you know, the phone never stops ringing. Uh, and, and you feel when you talk to business owners and you feel that the pain that they've been going through and the challenges they have. And my instinct is always to say, how can I help and what can I do and who can I who can I talk to and how can I help this business? And so there's a lot of stress that comes with that. So, I mean, I can't wait until I never have to talk COVID again or talk COVID supports again. And we can kind of get through this and we can put this in in the rearview mirror because it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge for everyone to kind of get through this. I mean, I, I think from a from a personal standpoint, obviously, the fact that, you know, I've, I've got a family that's healthy. I've been, you know, I've been fully employed throughout this. I'm in a much better position than a lot of people have been, and those are the people that we continue to work for, those business owners that are that have been so challenged as a result of this. Yeah, and you've done a great job, and thank you for always taking my call. You've never avoided me. Uh, I'm sick of talking about COVID, too, and, and I really hope this is the beginning of the end of this and, and we can move on to bigger and better things. Chuck, thanks a lot. Thanks, Hal. Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. Restaurant and bars will open at uh, 25% capacity indoors, 50% capacity outdoors. Uh, those uh, patrons seated together uh, indoor dining uh, must be from the same household or be uh, all fully vaccinated. Um, so those who are fully immunized um, are able to dine indoors with people from other uh, households. Uh, for outdoor dining, tables are limited to a maximum of eight patrons, but no other uh, limitations on who may sit together. Manitoba's top doctor, Dr. Brent Rusin, with the good news for bars and restaurants. Tony Sawicki is the board chair of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, and he joins us on the phone now. Tony, hello, good afternoon. Hi, Hal, how are you? 
I'm great, and I assume you are as well. In fact, I heard the clip in our news. You must have talked to one of our global news reporters already. Um, I agree with what you just said in the news. I I did not think restaurants, bars and restaurants, were going to get as much as they got today. So uh, this is very good news. You know what? As of uh, 10.55, I think our entire industry was sitting on the edge of their seats, crossing their fingers, waiting for just a little bit of a patio uh, business to to pay some bills. When we found out that uh, patio, 50%, and in our uh, 25%, that's just, that's a, it's a lottery, you know, for us. Uh, I mean, it's not perfect, but I mean, definitely it's a win. Yeah, and I mean, you and others have talked about 25% uh, indoor dining. Uh, I mean, even at 50, it was a challenge. Uh, but it, I think it's just, it, it's the signal, the, it symbolizes that hopefully we're on our way back. You know what? That is, the light is getting brighter. Um, we've been through one dark time through the last 16 months, you know, and and uh, Manitoba, like we, we asked for a plan, we got a plan, and then Manitobans jumped to it and made that plan real uh, They uh, ahead of time. So I just want to thank all the Manitobans that just sat down, got rolled up their sleeves and got the shot and uh, made this happen for all of us. You know, this is something that... Uh, uh, knowing now the plant is is real and it's attainable, uh, maybe we'll be open sooner than August, uh, with a, or less restrictions sooner than August. So it's just it's just great for for uh, as a whole. Well, we're a week early now on this one, so you know yeah. why can't we do it earlier, right? And as you point out, we just need to keep the lum- uh, the COVID numbers low. We need to follow all the rules. Right. I mean, I understand we get frustrated with the rules sometimes. We need to follow them because we know they work. And then we need to get double vaccinated, period. It's it's that easy. It's not difficult. We just need to do it. You know, we've been here now, right? We've been this is our third time being shut down and then uh, being reopened. Um, we've been through all the hoops and uh, the, the rules and the restrictions and uh, the protocols. And, uh, you know, we're we're uh, we're uh, experienced. So. Um, yeah, we we have restrictions. We get it. We're gonna figure this out. We can't. We gotta act slowly. We gotta move slowly. We can't go backwards again. This is something that uh, you know. Whatever they throw at us, I'm sure we're gonna adapt and figure out how to make it work. Um, you know, the double vaccination with the, um, the 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 card or the QR code. You know, that's think about it as a membership card or a, a VIP card or admission ticket. That's how you get in. So. You know, if you have that, you present it, boom, you're going to be in those, uh, in sitting down and dining in and having that uh, Scheidt's lager and uh, barbecue ribs, you know, without any questions asked. It's something that, uh, it's, uh, you know, that's what we're going to have to work together to get this done. Yeah. The nice thing about the announcement today, uh, you know, the patio, I was really hoping patio would happen. It did. And now we get some indoor dining. And because there are a lot of restaurants out there that don't have a patio and can't have a patio, even a temporary patio. So this is just a win right across the board for your industry. Well, yeah. So I think that's one of the decision factors was, okay, let's, we, you know, it would not be fair to open up just patios. So if a guy sitting across the street from me has a patio and I don't, I'm going to be staring at him selling and making money, you know, and uh, I don't think that person is going to share with me. Right. So, I mean, it was something that uh, you can now it's a little bit for everybody. Now, it might not be ideal for everybody. You know, there's going to be some places that just can't uh, do it at 25, depending on what uh, their scenario is. But they'll make it figured out what they have to do to uh, make it work. But, yeah, this was uh, as a win for for 
everybody as a whole instead of just somebody, people with certain kind of uh, uh, services. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask you, I was talking to Chuck Davidson at the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce a bit earlier, uh, about half an hour ago, I guess it was, and I asked him about, you know, businesses, and, and I'll ask you about restaurants. As we come through this, and hopefully this is the beginning of the end, and there we've lost some restaurants, which is tragic. Uh, some will come through this and then look at the debt they've acquired. I worry then that we're going to lose more restaurants. They're just going to say, "This is I, 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 can't, I can't get out of this. And then I think we need to invest in the future to make sure restaurants stick around, but that also people open up new restaurants. I think we need to make sure that government is there for your industry and others going forward after the pandemic. You know what? Yeah, there is. I mean, you already know how much debt, uh, like, I mean, Chuck Davis was on, Sean Jeffries was on, uh, the amount of debt that these restaurants, our restaurant actually is more, than eighty six thousand dollars in debt. Um, it's it's something that uh, you know. It's going to take five years to recover at least, um, and we, you know we need the support from the you know obviously the community which has been doing that, but the government has to step in a little bit more and uh, and make sure that these restaurants survive and and uh, not deter new restaurants from opening. As you said, you know this is something that uh, uh, we've borrowed from Peter to pay Paul, and we're trying to pay everything down, and it's just. Uh, uh, you know, it is a nightmare after a nightmare, and uh, now we have a little bit of light. We can get something in. We can pay some of these bills and continue to do those as the restrictions kind of less and less, and hopefully we get back to some normal and, uh, and uh, you know, stay alive, right? Mm-hmm. I'm already I'm asking people to text an email, and I haven't had a chance yet to read any of the text messages and emails, but I've, I'm asking people to weigh in, let me know how they're feeling, what their thoughts are. And I'm hearing from some people that are saying, you know what, it's too soon for me to go back to a restaurant and sit indoors and dine, um, which is fine. You know, everybody's got to move at their own pace here. Uh, but I guess the key is we need to continue to support restaurants. If you're not comfortable going and sitting in the dining room, we need to make sure we keep doing takeout delivery. Takeout's better because then you're not the restaurant's not paying the delivery fee. So we need to keep figuring out a way. We keep saying we're in this together. We need to, as Winnipeggers and Manitobans, continue to support our favorite restaurants. Well, you know, absolutely right. And you know what? All you need to do: phone your favorite restaurant, find out what they've done, what they put in place to protect you. I mean, there's places that have gone, you know, we're included. There's dividers, the tables are spaced out, the masks are on, you know, the, the air purifiers, uh, the, the, the sanity. There's, every restaurant is trying to do their best to make sure you're safe. So one phone call, say, hey, what have you done to make sure I'm safe, my family's safe, my mom, my kids, everybody's safe? They'll tell you what they've done. And then you can actually feel comfortable going in. And the rest, MRFA is going to be marketing on how to how – to, uh, you know, tell everybody how safe everybody is. You know, it's it's uh, that's all you need to do because we have been doing this uh, behind closed doors. Uh, we've been just getting ready to open and to protect you. You know, that's that's what we've been doing for as long as mm-hmm. restaurants been around. We've been sitting here protecting people, and that's what we have to do. You know, we're mandated. Yeah. Tony, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for the whole industry. I'm happy for all the bars and restaurants out there. It's a great day, and, and let's hope we get more um, loosening of these restrictions as we go along. And, and starting Saturday, I'm going to be by for some ribs soon, so watch for me. I'm barbecuing as we speak. Thanks, Matt Joba. Thanks, Hal. <laughs>
Joining us on the phone now, the Director of HR Services at Legacy Bows, Tori McNally. Tori, hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Hello. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. So I wanted to focus in a bit, and, and we've heard you talk on our air. You you spoke with one of our global news reporters, but I wanted to get you on uh, to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, simple question. Uh, I hope it's a simple answer. You tell me what it is. Can a business make uh, an employee get vaccinated, get two shots of the COVID-19 vaccine? So my simple answer is yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the but? So you can uh, make uh, uh, employees get vaccinated, but it is best to have it in a written policy and uh, there are exceptions. So uh, human rights protects people who cannot get vaccinated for medical reasons or for religious reasons. So uh, those need to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis with accommodation. But as long as you're laying it out clearly uh, and you've got a health reason um, and, you know, you have to ensure a, health, a healthy workplace. Uh, so if employees are going to be in close contact with each other in the workplace, uh, then you can make vaccines mandatory. Okay. Now, I had a listener uh, send in a question, and it's a good one. Um, So as uh, restrictions start to loosen on on Saturday, some indoor dining is going to be allowed at restaurants. Uh, In order to be sitting at the table, you need to be fully immunized uh, uh, or from the same household. And the listener said, well, what about the people working in the restaurant, the servers? Uh, Can a restaurant make their servers Uh, get the vaccination or is it a a situation uh, like what you just explained yes but it's a yes but so you uh, as a as a business owner the restaurant can say uh, that they'll be interacting with multiple people uh, they'll be in close contact we all know that kitchens aren't uh, the largest places for spacing and so they can uh, they can mandate vaccines that being said um, I would uh, I would caution to say, you know, is there uh, personal protective equipment that could be put into place um, or uh, those kinds of or double masking? um, uh, Is that an option for them? So work with your your staff, not against them to see what works best for them. But uh, if they are uh, double vaccinated, uh, then uh, if they don't want to wear a mask, um, I guess we're we're coming down to that place. But it hasn't Mm -hmm. really been stated clearly yet uh, that that's uh, that that's not that they can be there without masks, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that I mean, the the public health mandate saying uh, that if you're masking, uh, you should be safe uh, is still true, right? With or without the vaccine. Right. Uh, and I, I get the feeling we're probably heading for some legal challenges here. Let me just, a story, knowing you were coming on today, I came across this story. I'll play it and, and then we can talk about it. This is relating to staff at a hospital in Texas, I believe, not getting mm-hmm. vaccinated. Listen. More than 26,000 employees of Houston Methodist Hospital have been vaccinated against COVID-19. 153 refused on grounds that the vaccine hasn't been thoroughly tested. A judge has now thrown out their lawsuit, but many of those workers remain steadfast. I do love what I do. I love Houston Methodist, and it's unfortunate that they're willing to let us go over something like this. She and her former co-workers plan to pursue their lawsuit to the next level. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. And I think especially in hospitals and, and situations like that where there are frontline workers involved, there is an expectation from the public that they would be vaccinated but as you can see that's not necessarily the case 
No, that's not necessarily the case. And and you would think, uh, you know, they're not protected by human rights. If you just refuse to get a vaccine uh, because you don't uh, because you don't want one, that isn't a public uh, sorry, that isn't a human rights ground um, at all. And so there are people who are being terminated um, because they're refusing to get uh, vaccines. So it is uh, it's completely untried part of the law right now. And the employment lawyers are still trying to scratch their heads about where the courts are going to land on this. But you're right, there's going to be uh, lots of challenges uh, coming up in the future. No question. Mm. Yeah, and we're hearing the same thing about uh, care home workers, right? Uh, you know, the same situation there, and that might surprise people. Now, we, we haven't talked as much about testing at work. Take a listen to this, and then we'll talk about it. Aiken Guler says he signed up for weekly rapid COVID testing at work to help stop the spread of the virus. The sales manager at a Halifax area tech company says the test takes less than 15 minutes and is like a pregnancy test. One stripe is negative, two stripes positive. Guler is among the tens of thousands of workers in Nova Scotia taking part in rapid workplace testing. The program is being led by the Creative Destruction Lab's Rapid Screening Consortium. Jeff Larson, Atlantic Site Lead with the group, says the program's uptake in Nova Scotia has been extraordinary. The group is now encouraging more companies across Canada to sign up for the program. Brett Bundell, the Canadian Press. Now, what about testing? And if you don't want to get the, let's say you're an employee and you say, I don't want to get vaccinated and your employer says, okay, but you're going to get tested. I mean, this is, I just predict this is going to be a mess, but you you tell me, you're the expert, Tori. Well, I think that, um, you know, I mean, you have to look at uh, how, uh, effective those tests are and how many negative results um, they give uh, or false positive results they give uh, mm-hmm. to really know to really understand um, the the ability of them to be effective but I think that that's if, some, if somebody wants to do that then that's an argument I mean I uh, I, and I think it depends on the workplace too, right? If somebody wants to test every time they come into a workplace where they're going into their own cubicle and being able to maintain six feet of difference, that might be perfectly fine, right? There mm-hmm. may be no problem with uh, with them to to go that route and refuse the vaccination. But uh, again, if you're in a personal care home, um, the uh, the families of those residents and the residents themselves might feel like that's um, adequate mm-hmm. protection. Yeah. Thanks for answering those questions that sort of popped up today. I appreciate that. What about vacations? That, I think, is is another uh, issue. People may be reluctant to take vacation because, uh, you know, there are still lockdowns in, in effect. What about vacations? Is this a, another problem area for, for employers and their employees? So vacations have been an ongoing uh, problem because at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the uh, employees were scared to take vacation. They wanted to show that they were loyal to their company and they were scared of their jobs. Um, And then we came to the point where people were coming to their year end and not taking the vacations. And then employers were having to deal with uh, all kinds of people who uh, didn't, who had all these great vacation credits that they uh, weren't using. And so we had to work our way through that. And now people are actually starting to take vacation again because even though summer camps have opened, they're open at limited capacity. So a lot of parents use summer camps uh, as childcare. And so now they're looking at all of their uh, part, their uh, personal time off and trying to see, uh, you know, how much vacation they can get just to stay home um, with children who uh don't even have um, don't even have remote schooling to keep them busy in the summer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then final question uh, about people that refuse to return to work, um, and and this can happen in a couple of different scenarios. 
Um, obviously, as somebody not feeling comfortable or safe going back to work with COVID-19 still floating around. And then the other one that I'm interested in, I'm working at home. I have been for over a year since the start of the pandemic. If my boss says, hey, Hal, you, you start back here at the station on, on Monday, can I say, I kind of like it here. I'm I'm going to stay here. Or or who has, I guess it, it, it it's up to the employer in a case like that, right? Well, it's up um, you know, the employer also doesn't want to lose its employee, right? And so it's a little bit of a dance uh, between the two uh, to find something that works. I've heard a lot of companies moving to a three days in the office, two days uh, at home scenario uh, where uh, they're getting kind of the best of both worlds um, uh, and so they are still able to work from home a little bit but they're still getting that interaction I think that you know when you talked about um, you talked about people working from home uh, on a large scale before mm-hmm. the pandemic most employers said absolutely not there's no way that I would ever trust my staff yeah. and then instantly they were all able to trust their staff right and so I think I think that um, attitudes have certainly changed about it um, but you know there's um, so there's there are options for uh, creating a balance between the two, uh, and I don't think and I think that you just need to work through uh, what your employees want and what you can accommodate. Some some companies are finding that it's cheaper to have their employees work from home, right? That they're not going to have to pay for office space or uh, you know coffee refills or any of those things, and so it might be uh, long term it might be beneficial to both sides. Yeah. O- overall, I think the working from home thing has gone fairly well uh, overall. I mean, obviously not for everybody, but I think uh, I-, I think a lot of employers and employees have been surprised at just how well uh, it has worked where it where it has been tried. Hey, what's your dog's name? My dog's name is Socks. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. You know what? As a, It was great. No, no. It was great having you and Socks on my show, Tori. And I'll tell you what, I just lost my dog. So hearing that dog bark put a smile on my face. I wish I could hear my dog bark. So it was great having you and Socks on the show. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. We'll we'll have you back soon. One of the, hey, that's what happens when you're working from home. (laughs) The dog barks. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.